Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, tons of people take a multivitamin, and it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially during cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a a million different pills and, and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's a difficult sentence to read. I'm not going to lie. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash sports drink. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash sports drink to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm a diet Pelicans fan because that bitch got New Orleans in front of me. Good morning. This is a quick reaction edition of The Bird Calls. I'm David Grubb, along with David Fisher of TheBirdRights.com. And we are discussing last night's game one loss to the Phoenix Suns, 110-99. The New Orleans Pelicans go down in game one of the first round of the NBA playoffs. Um, Fish, I want to start with the fourth quarter. Is that all right with you? Yep. Okay, so to me... This is where the game – well, let, let, I'm going to preface that with this. I don't think either one of us predicts that the Pelicans are going to win this series. Am I correct? Correct. Okay. Um, and you weren't with us when we did our, our, our last pod, and I also just want to make sure we're clear on this. I think that, at best, this is likely a gentleman's sweep. Uh, what do, you, do you think this goes further than that? There's the possibility, um, depending on things that I think it might be able to stretch to six. But, Possibly, but the likelihood. Yeah, is, I mean, all, all gentlemen sweeps are not the same. Um, right. You can have a gentleman sweep that is obviously that you're outclassed, and you can have a gentleman sweep where you are um, very competitive throughout the series. I think I, I lean more towards the latter on that. Not, I do think the Pelicans will be competitive over the course of this series. I think that that's who they are in their nature. But I think ultimately what this series comes down to are two different are two things. Number one, the, the, the Suns are just a better team. They are a better constructed team at this point. They are a more experienced team. Their high-end players are at, the, at a higher end than the Pelicans. Their middle players are at a better spot than the Pelicans middle of the roster. And the bottom of their roster is higher than the Pelicans bottom of the roster. I just think that those things – and you also put the experience of a Monty Williams against a Willie Green who was in his first year as a head coach and those things are all disadvantages. Would you agree with that? I would. I mean, you look at the Phoenix Suns rotation that they played last night. Their top eight guys are the same top eight guys they had all last year in the playoffs. Like, 
that that experience is invaluable and the only way to do it the only way to have it is to go through it and the phoenix has already gone through it so i agree and even those guys a lot of those guys like you take a javel mcgee for instance this guy's won championships with another team and mm-hmm. been in long playoff runs with other teams so you know this is an experienced talented team um, but we go to the fourth quarter. The Pelicans had whittled down a 20-point deficit to eight points to start the fourth. Larry Nance makes a fantastic play to close the third. And then, to me, this is where the game is lost in the opening three minutes. Less than that, really, of this of the fourth quarter. You have first possession of the quarter. Suns go inside. Devontae Graham fouls JaVale McGee, two free throws. Next possession. You know, Pelicans make a jump shot, come back down. Chris Paul gets fouled by Devontae Graham, two free throws. Pelicans score again, Chris Paul three, JaVale McGee dunk, Chris Paul three, and then it's just, it's 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 an avalanche. Pelicans, me, did not, Pelicans didn't get a stop until 6.30 in the fourth quarter. Right. And to me, it started with the opening of that quarter and the Suns recognizing Devontae Graham was on the court. We're going to exploit him defensively. And from that, Chris Paul was able to get a rhythm because after those first two possessions, then you sent, they sent Graham into the corner to defend Devin Booker, who was not having a great shooting night. But now you're putting Chris Paul in pick-and-roll situations where the switch is Larry Nance, who has no business covering Chris Paul 24 feet from the basket. No, It's hard for a guard to do that, and you're putting a power forward out there to go do that. Um, so I thought that that was, to me, the end of the, the competitive portion of that game was that decision to ride that group, that starting that group of five at the start of the fourth quarter as long as they did, and then not pull Graham. And I think that was the the the, the biggest of the the, the swing moments in the in the late stages of the game. Absolutely, I agree, and it, it goes back to something we we discussed even right after CJ was acquired. Um, he went with the Devonte Graham, CJ McCollum backcourt, and you just you can't do that. It, you you can't have two obvious minuses defensively at, at at the at at the top of your at the top of your defensive set and not expect that a good team is going to find a way to exploit that. And the Suns didn't they they didn't do anything complicated there at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They just said we're we're going to put you in the action. And then it's it's going to be a bad time for you. Um, and I mean, all of us in the group chat and on Twitter and everything, we're just shouting, get him off the game. The biggest thing that was frustrating to me was the fact that sticking with Devontae Graham at the beginning of the fourth quarter is not Willie Green's rotation. That's that's not what got him here. You know, we always get some Devontae Graham at the end of the first quarter, into the third quarter, but at the top of the second and the fourth quarter. Who's out there? That's when Jose checks in. He, ch- he checks in at the beginning of the second and the fourth. And yeah, he's a rookie. And yeah, Chris Paul's probably going to rook him, but he's earned it. He's deserved it. And, and that was, if you want to say, you know, what was your biggest frustration about the game? It was the fact that he went away from Jose there. And by the time he put Jose in there to put out the fire, Chris Paul is a walking inferno. Like it, it's too late. He, he he's he's way too much in a rhythm. So that, that that was my biggest frustration. I think you know overall, and 
we could go individually through some other things that were disappointing for me in game one and, and for you as well. Um, my biggest thing was the utilization of bench guys at improper times that I, I just felt like, you know, you look at Jonas, Jonas Valanciunas last night, he had 18 points, 25 rebounds, and everybody's like, oh, people are getting on Jonas and saying that was a bad game. It was a bad game. It was yeah. a bad game. Because before this series began, we knew, number one, I said, I said uh, Jonas couldn't play more than 25 minutes a night in this series because of the matchups. He ended up playing 31 and was a, neg- a, a minus 11 for the night. And then seven for 21 from the field. His athleticism was not there. His mm-hmm. ability to get up and finish on offensive uh, rebounds was not there. His uh, rotations weren't there. And I, I was surprised, again, in the fourth quarter, the last six minutes, he's on the floor and not Nance, who can do something with an offensive rebound or can defend better in space. That was another surprising decision for me by Willie Green. Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't finish with Jonas um, on on Friday night against the Clippers. He finished with Nance. Um, I get why he's making that decision because I mean, Aiton is a real threat, um, and I feel like to a degree he's protecting Nance there. But the the biggest thing, like you said, I mean, my, my hope is if you want to look at it on the sunny side of things, is it felt like all three of the Pelicans' big three last night, CJ, B.I., and Jonas, um, they all had pretty poor shooting nights. Um, credit to the Phoenix Suns. They, they played superb defense throughout it. But at the same time, um, there's, there's room for improvement there. Hopefully, I mean, Pelicans have been playing elimination games, essentially, for like two straight months. Um, and Hopefully they can get their legs under them, get a good night's sleep um, last night, have a good walk around, shoot around, whatever they're going to do. And then what they can go from there. But um, I, I still took a lot of positives away from it, but I agree with you completely on, on Jonas. It's it, it, this is definitely a matchup where we can, we can and should see, you know, 24 minutes a night of Larry Nance, at least. And the problem is, to me, the biggest disadvantage the Pelicans had in this game was the depth in the front court because the Suns' front court is athletic. And the Pelicans do not have athletes up front other than Jackson and Nance. And Jackson has become unplayable for the better part of now two weeks because he didn't play well in either of the, the two play-in games. He didn't play well last night. He hadn't played well at the end of the regular season. Jackson has become, again, a liability because he's not giving you points, which is the one thing you are counting on him for. And then he is completely ineffective. 11 minutes, one rebound, no blocks. He, you know, there was nothing that he did physically to let you know that he was a member of the front court. He played, he was absent at seven feet. And so you are left with a six foot nine inch Larry Nance and no other bigs, really to compete up front with a JaVale McGee, with a DeAndre Ayton, who is going to have a fantastic series. And they didn't even have to bring in a Bismack Biombo, who we've seen have big have a big game against the Pelicans. I just uh, – and Channing Crowder had one point, and I don't think he's going to have one point in the next game. You know, he had a 1-1-1 across the board. So yeah. I, I just – you know, the, I think the Suns 
will be better in game two as well. Devin Booker didn't shoot great, uh, you know, for the field, eight for 19. That's not a game for normal game for him. Only six free throw attempts. He could be better. Campaign was at his worst um, last night. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the Suns do play better basketball too. We didn't see their peak. And for the Pelicans, even if they shoot it slightly better, which they probably will, this is still the best defensive team in the NBA they're going up against. So it yeah. can't get that much better um, offensively for them. The only chance they have in my mind is they have to play much better defense. And I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I don't, I felt like the Pelicans to a large degree played good, solid defense. Um, but the breakdowns were really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were some back cuts and things like that. There was just like, Ooh, that's. And I mean, it's growing pains. Like to, to, to so much of this to me, like from a long-term perspective is, man, they got to fail and they got to learn. And everybody's doing that. Everybody on the roster is doing that. Like the, they're, they're going to learn like this next level of dialed in. Like they've thought that they've played NBA basketball and they've been dialed in and they haven't yet. It's the playoffs. Phoenix is going to needle and attack every single weak point. And you, you, you have to be ready and you have to be ready for all of it. And I think, um, I mean, they're just going to keep on getting whapped over the head with it. And it's, it's good long-term, but I think we as fans and as analysts need to understand, I mean, we're going against, uh, the Pelicans are going against a roster that is returning the top eight guys from their rotation last year that went all the way to the finals. And at one point had, what, was it a 2-0 lead or a 2-1 lead before? Lead. Yeah, the 2-0 lead over Milwaukee before the wheels kind of came off. Like and It could have been 3-0 because they were up in that fourth quarter. <laughs> Exactly. So give respect to give respect to Phoenix on that end about things. And then um, for the rest of it, I mean, they're returning the top eight guys like that's unheard of. So. Yeah, they're, 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 I mean, ultimately, you know, I said I said, you know, people were like, well, there are better matchups for the Pelicans in the first round. And I said, no, this is the matchup I wanted to see for them because this is this is shadow boxing against the much better version of you. This is the, the end version of what you want to be. And oh, they're running so, so much of the same stuff. Right. It, it, it's beautiful. And I mean, there were little things like the, the, the Suns, especially in the first half, they ran this set um, and it was, it was an elbow set where it looks like a down screen um, for Booker or, you know, for Bridges or something like that. And they're coming up the the right side of, of the key, but then they curl around it right there at the elbow. And they got, I want to say two or three layups out of that. Um, and that's just, you know, um, the thing that Antonio Daniels always says, you gotta, you gotta p- defend the player, not the play. Mm-hmm. The Pelicans were trying to pl- defend the play. They weren't defending the player. And it's a, it's a, if then situation, you know, if you're going to overplay the catch, then we're going to backdoor you. Or we're going to flip the screen around. Um, and, I mean, you can see that there's there's so many similarities in terms of how they're running stuff and the stuff they run on mm-hmm. both ends. I mean, it was, it, was, it was beautiful basketball. Like, the Phoenix was running beautiful basketball, especially in the first quarter and then again in the fourth quarter. And the Pelicans had 
beautiful basketball that they were throwing right back at him in the third quarter. So it's like, I mean, we're going to keep on pounding in the head, man. You're going to learn and you're going to learn from failure um, in, you know, over the next week, week and a half. But the only, the only way to get to where you want to be, you got to go through this road right now. Yeah. And the reality of the situation is you just, you just don't have enough and that's okay. Again, you know, it's not, it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's going to not going to make this season a negative if they lose this series, it's not going to, you know, to get to this point, to do these things, what you're looking for is game to game at this stage. What we're looking for is game to game competitiveness. We want to see how Willie green continues to evolve as a coach. Cause I hope he learned some lessons in game one, both in rotation management Again, they're going to lose this series, but you can make it more competitive by choosing to make certain decisions at certain times. Um, but I think that that's what you're looking for: is do they do they get do they make adjustments mentally, and do they stay consistent in their effort, and do certain players show you something for next season? And I think what we've learned is through this three game stretch, Jackson Hayes to me. And this is not a personal thing. This is just reality. You cannot play him going forward if Zion Williamson is part of this team or if he's not, because no matter what, he's not the defensive four you need with a Jonas Valanciunas if Jonas stays around for the next two, three years. And he's certainly not the compliment you need for Zion Williamson if Zion's going to be here for the next four or five years. So the, compliments, I just, <laughs> the, the beautiful thing about all that is the compliments already on the roster is Larry Nance. Um, so, 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 I mean, but going to your point about what, and I apologize, I got dogs playing in the background. It's early in the morning. Um, so one of the beautiful things for me, as I'm looking forward, um, for what this, what this series is going to teach the organization, what it's going to teach the coaching staff and what it's going to teach the players is this series and what I expect to happen over the next four to five games is going to put the Pelicans in a situation where they look at Jose Alvarado and they look at Trey Murphy and it's like, no, those guys are integral locked in pieces of the rotation next year. And I mean, Trey Murphy, you, you talk about shadow boxing. I mean, he just needs to look across the court when, um, when, when Cam Johnson checks in, like there's the vision, right? There's the vision. And Herb Jones is looking at Mikael Bridges. <laughs> and there's the vision right there. It's right there. You can see exactly, um, you know, where we're going with this um, for, for both of those guys. And then um, Jose Alvarado, I mean, you're going to give him that matchup with Chris Paul. Um, you're going to put him out there with campaign and uh, against campaign as well. Um, and it's the, I mean, honestly, it's the same thing for him. Like learn, Watch everything Chris Paul does, you know, learn all the dirty tricks and secrets that you're going to see, you know, over the rest of the series. And you saw a little bit of it. The Phoenix Suns were in the bonus and, you know, Jose's pressing up on him and he starts to get that right hand out and he pulls it right back and he keeps on pulling it right back because he knows what Chris Paul's doing. He's hunting that mm-hmm. swipe through. Um, he re- you, there you go. You got a rookie and you can tell from him defending full court. He read the scouting report. That's 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 a beautiful thing to see, like as at, us as fans in terms of as analysts, as fans in terms of how you project this lineup forward. And 
I mean, look, there's eight guys that should play in, in this series for the Pelicans. TJ, B.I. Um, I still think you start Jonas and you say, look, I mean, eight is better than you. But, I mean, you need to hold your own as best you can. You got to score. Couple, yeah, get, get a couple more tip-ins, drain a three or two, um, continue to be a force, create a, a, additional and extra possessions. Um, so you, you know you're going to play those three. You know you're going to play Herb. And then the rest of it is Trey, Jose, Nance. And we haven't talked about it enough yet, but Najee Marshall looked tremendous last night. He looked ready. Um, and he gives he gives them another long wing that you can you can throw at Booker that you can throw at CP3. Um, and he wasn't scared. He wasn't scared of the moment. He's doing the exact same things he was doing during regular season. The offense is broken down. The ball ends up in his hands. What's he doing? He's putting his head down. He's going to the basket. Good stuff happened. So, I mean, there's your eight right there. Mm-hmm. And and then you, I mean. You, you push it forward and you say you take those eight and then you add Zion to this mix and then you look at the rest of the roster um, and we'll talk more about it later and you look at the rest of the roster and be like, what pieces do we need to add to those, to those nine guys to make it happen this summer? Yep, absolutely. I, I just, you know, there's, there's just, there's so many things to look at within the, the box score that kind of do reveal just how different these teams are because look, the Pelicans had four steals and that means the number of steals itself was not telling as much as it was the Pelicans. Don't you don't get your hands on the basketball against the Suns. You don't get the tips, and that's what Pelicans no. are are, are really effective at is creating those tips, deflections, and all that stuff. Suns are not going to turn the basketball over. They're just not. So those are yep. things that don't help the Pelicans out. They don't make those mistakes. The Suns are not going to overshoot the three pointer. They're going to take them, but they're not going to overshoot them. They just they're they not going to hunt them. Yeah, they don't hunt the three. They get it in 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 the rhythm of their offense. So you're not going to get a night where they're going to shoot 43s and miss a bunch of them and give you those run out opportunities. They're going to force you to execute and to, to have discipline on both ends of the floor, on both ends mm-hmm. of the floor. And that's the main thing that I think that, that we wanted to see for the Pelicans is this mental test to find out because this should be part of the weeding out process as you go forward. One of the things you and I have been consistent about is you can't fall in love with everybody. They're not all going to be here. And over these series is how you weed out the guys who don't fit your long-term plans. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you, I mean, they're going to, they're going to learn to be better regular season basketball players throughout this process because their idea of attention to detail is going to increase exponentially um, over this, this next week. And that's going to be something that's that's what helped turn Phoenix into a regular season juggernaut, juggernaut this year is what they went through in the playoffs and that they're just ready for it. And I mean, to your point, I mean, we've we've it, it's obvious to all of us looking on the outside who the eight guys are um, that you want to go with. And then how do you build around that? And it's. It's going to be painful. I, my question to you at this point is what. What's like your biggest thing that you want to see in game two um, from this from, from this team um, going forward? Just game two. What are you looking for? Better defensive rotations mm-hmm. in handling the pick and roll and, 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 in, and especially in, in dealing with Aiton. Um, they have to be better in those situations. I don't know if they can be. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just don't know if they can be. I don't know if they have the, the, the foot speed 
to keep up. I mean, my thing last night was that the bigs are either too slow rotationally or too slow mentally, you know, in the yep. case of guys who just don't know what they're doing. So I think that then the other thing you can do, if you're not going to be uh, have a tremendous advantage there defensively um, in the front court is you're going to have to try to speed Phoenix up a little bit. You're mm-hmm. going to have to try to speed them up with, with varying degrees of pressure um, at certain points to just get them out of there waiting for Chris to orchestrate. Just you mm-hmm. have to speed it up somewhat. And um, I think that means maybe putting, you know, sending length at Chris Paul at times to get the ball out of his hands and force a quicker rotation. But you better know who's going to be the guy who's swinging to that empty spot. Um, I think the Pelicans can do that. But that means more minutes for Trey Murphy. That means more minutes for Najee Marshall. That means, you know, you have to get those longer guys on the floor. And the one thing we know about Trey, too, is every minute he's played in these last three games, these critical games, and even going back into the regular season, he's he's a positive when he's on the floor. And it's not just with his shooting. It's he's moving the ball. He gets into spaces and defensively he creates problems. He, he is, he is treated um, by, by the opposition as a threat. His, his presence is known and it's on the scouting report. You can see it with Phoenix and he's still got, you know, four good threes up with his feet set. You know, not we're, we're not hunting a three. He's, he gets his threes in the flow of the offense and, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we've been pounding this drum since October. Like what I want to see is you get Jackson Hayes out of the starting lineup and you start Trey Murphy because he's ready. It makes way more sense um, matchup wise for this team. Mm-hmm. Just does. rip off the bandit, rip off the bandaid, put, put Trey Murphy in the starting lineup. Let's go. It absolutely does. Because I think then you can put Ingram on Crowder to me, which makes more sense because Crowder's not going to give Ingram a lot of problems defensively as far as taking him off the dribble. He's going to give you size. He's going to be physical, but he's not going to out-quick Brandon. He's not out-lengthing Brandon on the defensive end. And I think then you have switchable players for Bridges, for Paul, and for Booker. And I think all those mm-hmm. things which you're, you're asking for your, your defense to do, and then you're asking for Jonas to just slow down Aiton and not allow him to, to, to be as active as he was. And, and I think, yeah, the best way to do that is by inserting Trey Murphy into the starting lineup, which, again, is something you and I have been talking about since October. Yeah. So another thing, how did you feel about the Pelicans? Because right out of the gate, they said, we're putting Herb on CP3. And they were um, putting Brandon Ingram on, on Booker. And they were hiding CJ on Mikel Bridges. How did you feel about that? That I didn't range? like that. I didn't like that. You didn't like it because of BI, or you didn't like it. You I don't like, like it because, because of BI. I don't like it because for her, I, I I would rather be sending Herb at CP3 than starting him on CP3. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, I think that. For for Herb now, you're taking him into a situation where it's it's Chris Paul doesn't need to out dribble you. He doesn't need to, you know what I'm saying? Like his mind is sharp enough that that length isn't going to bother him. People say, well, big guards can bother Chris Paul, sure, but he's also smart enough to know how to abuse a rookie in the in situations like this. And his guys mm-hmm. know where to move. So I mean, I I, yeah. I just I think 
putting CJ on Chris Paul is not the problem. That's not the problem. It's how they respond, mm-hmm. like you said, to the to the actions. It's how the guys deal with cuts. It's how they deal with 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 screens. It's not mm-hmm. starting with CJ on Chris Paul. Yeah. My approach, especially if the Pelicans went went all the way and they put Trey in the, Trey in the starting lineup, is I would keep Herb on on CP3, and I would give Trey that Booker matchup. And in doing that, and you can put Bi on Crowder, and you can put CJ on Mikhail Bridges. Um, you're you're fighting fire with fire essentially, because to 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 an extent, Phoenix gives the defensive assignment to Bridges and Crowder out there mm-hmm. so that Chris Paul and Booker, you know, can have, can have more to give on offense. Right. And I think the, the, the Pelicans have the tools in the toolbox. The tools are there and look, yeah, you're going to, you're asking a lot. You're going to put a rookie on Chris Paul and you're going to put a rookie on Devin Booker. And if, if your only go with goal is to win this series, that sounds like a horrible idea. But it's this playoffs is bigger than this series, mm-hmm. and so yes, I want Herb and I want Trey to get those assignments, and and Najee to get that assignment as well, um, and and put it on their plate, and 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 learn, man, the school of hard knocks. Yeah, I think this team. Look, it's. I think it's easy for fans to think that the things that went poorly in Game One will go well in Game Two. And that's just not how serious basketball works. Um, you know, what happens is there's going to probably be, a, you know, there are adjustments on both sides, but ultimately teams fall as they are. And the Phoenix Suns are just the better team here. So they're what, really what, freaking what, good. Yeah, they did. They're, they're really freaking you, good. <laughs> they never lost three games in a row this season. Okay, that right there. They never, the Pelicans don't have a five game win streak. The Suns don't have a three-game losing streak. Like the, that's a vast difference in the world of basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think for us, it's watching the series is not a negative, even if they lose in five or they lose in four or they lose in six. If they do the things that are building towards ultimate success down the road, if the adjustments are made and you get beat with your best eight on the floor, then so be it. But if yep. you allow the Suns to do this, what they did last night, then it's it's just that's that's not a step forward. Yeah, but like, like you said, man, like we're going to continue to say, it, like it's all going to be the learning process. And the end goal here for me, like if you look at the syllabus of of this of this course that they're going through with this series, the test the test isn't the series. Mm-mm. The test, the, the test is next year, right? They're taking right. this course, and the test is next year. Can the coaching staff? Can the front office? Can everybody take what they've learned in this course? This education they're going to get from Professor Monty Williams and Graduate Assistant Chris Paul. Can they take what they're about to learn, and then can they shove that on and apply it properly um, to this off season? in terms of the moves they do, and then in terms of the rotation and how they approach next season. Um, and and the, guys, only, the, only way, the only way legitimately that I feel like the coaching staff in the front office were going to have the complete and total buy-in to 
what we as as analysts as fans see in Jose and Trey is they need to those guys need to go out there and they need to show it in the playoffs. And once they do, the 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 mental approach and how the front office and everybody else, you know, in, in, within the coaching staff looks at those guys changes and it it changes the approach to how 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 they work with next season. And that's why I'm so happy about the fact that the Pelicans are in the playoffs and and yeah. and they can go through this. Yeah, this is the team I, I would I prefer for them to play. I didn't want them to play Memphis. They don't want to learn anything from playing Memphis because they see Memphis all the time. And Memphis is where is is Memphis is basically running the same race they are. You know what I mean? So like Memphis is just you gauging yourself against you. This is mm-hmm. you gauging yourself against the very best. Yeah. And figuring out what it takes to be a champion. Memphis is still trying to find that out too. Memphis doesn't know. They don't know. They don't have a guy there who understands what a champion is. Phoenix has several of them that understand what it takes to, to, to win at the highest level. So I think that's that's why I want this series to be this series. I want them to take their lumps. I want them to learn, and I want them to figure things out. And, and again, I want them to cut the wheat from the chaff. And there are guys who have to be let go. And, and it's just that simple. Jackson Hayes can't play significant minutes for a winning basketball team. He cannot do it. He's uh, he's undependable. Well, he's just he's he's the thing is that he's doing the same thing that he did in the games that were good, but against a good team, you can't just kind of hang out in the dunker spot and then you get fed a whole bunch of layups and dunks because it's a good team. It's not the Sacramento Kings, and that 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 was the thing me and you were pounding on the whole time is that he's tricking you guys with highlights and stuff because all he's doing is the easiest stuff that you can do and the stuff that's only on the table when you're playing a bad team. And he was feasting on it. Like great for him. Like he's completely capable of feasting on that against bad teams, but who you get in the playoffs and it's just like, what's even in the play. like what Jackson Hayes played. He, oh, he, he starts, he plays his five or six minute shift. And then he starts and he plays his five, five or six minute shift at the end of the third, at the beginning of the third quarter. And you don't see him any other time at no time. The rest of the game does has Willie green look down at the bench and be like, man, Jackson, go get back in there. It hasn't happened. He's a token starter at this point. And yeah, it's, it's, it's clear as day to, to both of us. Yep. Well, we'll see what happens uh, for game two. We'll see what adjustments get made and we'll talk about those. But fish glad you could join me this early in the morning and, and knock this out. Um, anything yes, you want to get in before we go, man, just focus on, focus on what we're watching right now. That's what, that's what I would tell the fans. Like everybody wants to flip already to flip over the page to, um, transactions and acquisitions and the draft and everything. The off season's coming. Like we know it's coming. The Phoenix Suns eventually are going to put the Pelicans, you know, to bed. They're going to send them to Cancun. And we'll have plenty of time to talk about that when we get there. Between now and then, let's talk about what's happening on the court and what it's teaching the organization about what they should be doing when, when, when they get there. Let's yep. just focus what's going on on the court. Yep. And enjoy the games. Like, just enjoy yes. the games. Don't – it's root for the team. Be passionate. But, like, hey, they're not winning the title this year, and that's okay. That's okay. All right. Until the next time – 
when we do this once again, hopefully with the with the more full group. Not that it wasn't fun doing it with just me and Fish, but we'll have the more of the guys back um, after game two. This has been the bird calls, and in the words of our friend Preston Ellis, let's go, Cubs. listening to the bird calls on the armchair all-american network if you like what you're hearing please take a moment to rate us on itunes retweet share with your friends and most importantly subscribe today today's episode of the bird calls is brought to you by sports drink your digital water cooler sports drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports they're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team a rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sportsdrink, spelled like sportsdrink but without the vowels. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let the funk out.